Father, we thank you so much for another day, for another Sabbath day, for bringing us safely through the week. I pray, Lord, that as we um, study this lesson, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, uh, give us understanding, but also, Lord, help us to glean those gems of truth from it, Lord, that we can use and utilize in our daily lives, Lord. And most of all, Lord, reshape us into your perfect image and um, save us in your kingdom is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So let me just start off with the title to this chapter. Um, it's Health and Religion. So just by that title, what, what do you think is or should be the relationship between health and religion? Well, we know that health message is the right arm of the gospel. <clears throat> it doesn't take the place of the gospel, but it works complementary to the gospel, like an entering wedge. Easy way for you to get to talking to people, and then you can talk to them about the gospel. And... Mm. Okay, anybody else? Okay, well, um, so she's dealing with um, letters that she addressed to those at the Health Institute. And um, she starts off saying in the second paragraph that God wants a health institution established, which will do what? Be closely connected to the closing work. Okay, okay. And just like you were saying, Lee, that, that, that it's not the gospel, but it's the right arm of the gospel, which means that it has to have a close connection because it's part of the body of Christ. Um, and she says so that it has to be closely connected. Uh, and she says, but it needs to be one that will have no tendency to weaken the religious principles of anyone. And which will not improve the health of the body to the detriment of spiritual growth. So you don't want, you don't want the body improved without spiritual growth also being improved. They go hand in hand. And uh, that goes back to that right arm again. Um, and she said the object of the, our health institute should be to improve the health of the body that the afflicted may more highly appreciate eternal things. She said, if this object is not continually set before the mind and efforts are not made to this end, it will prove a curse instead of a blessing and spirituality will be regarded as a secondary thing and the health of the body and diversion will be made primary. So why do you think that she's saying that spiritual health should be primary and then physical health secondary? I was going say one thing about that okay where it says the great object should be improve the health of the body that the afflicted may be more highly appreciative of eternal things and that's one of the things that we uh, tell people about mental health you know taking care of your mental health so that you can clear your mind to focus on on eternal things you know a lot of times people are just stuck with this worldly problems and issues and anxiety and stress but through proper mental health, it helps to open up your, your mind to eternal things, clears, clears out your highway so the Lord can reach you a little more easier. Okay. So our goal 
in helping people in our institutions, or even if we're just visiting with someone that's sick, um, our goal sounds like it should be not just merely recovery of health, but recovery of health on the road to uh, a spiritual, um, spiritual blessings. Is that what, what I'm hearing you say, Lee? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then she says in the- Oh, before you go there, uh-huh. you asked about the title, mm-hmm. you know, too, about health and religion. What's mm-hmm. the connection? Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. But also it's pointing out health is earthly and temporary. Whereas the religion part leading to salvation is eternal. So we want to take care of our physical health, but more importantly, our spiritual health, because that's eternal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and we know that these mortal bodies will perish unless Jesus comes back first. We know that they will perish. But when it says store up your treasure in heaven, um, then that's, that's not dealing with our mortal perishable physical bodies. That's dealing with a, a, a higher spiritual realm and, and, and what we take to heaven with us, which is the mind of Christ. Um, okay. And, um, she's saying in this next paragraph that, um, the high standard, which, which is a high spiritual standard and which is, is the aim and the goal being the improvement of spiritual health, that it should not be lowered in the least in order that, that the, the institution, the health institution will gain financial wealth. Uh, and, and bring in unbelievers because, you know, it's a, it's a place where unbelievers say, oh yeah, they do great things there. They, you know, we can play uh, uh, bingo there and we can do this and we can do that and the other. Um, and, and, and so she's counseling against that kind of thing. And she said that the institution is not to be established for the object of gain. She said, but to aid in bringing God's people into such a condition of physical and mental health and you, you mentioned this, as will enable them to rightly appreciate eternal things and to correctly value the redemption so dearly purchased by the sufferings of our Savior. So, so our institutions, like I said, what should not be a place where, you know, there's entertainment going on and excitement going on and all that kind of stuff. Uh, amusement, basically, a place for amusement. Um, but it should be uh, geared towards again the spiritual. Any comment? Yeah, I think, on yeah, I had a comment on that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think too, the main purpose is to bring God's people in a proper physical and mental condition to enable them to hear His voice speaking. But it's not mm-hmm. to say that your institution can't make a profit because mm-hmm. you got to make profit in order to keep the institution running. Mm-hmm. You got to pay. Right. Well, you got to pay for services. You got to pay right. for upkeep. So it's not saying you should be going. Right. Right. It, and, but and your main me, goal is to lead people to Christ through health. Right. And to me, that's kind of like saying, um, on the one hand, money is the root of all evil. Love of money. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. That's not saying that you don't need money or that you should not work for money or whatever. And so we, we, we all need money. As long as we live on this earth, we need money for to live. Um, so I think that's kind of what you're saying, Lee, is that um, our goal should not solely be profit in our institutions, but we do have to have money to run them. Uh, they always say, uh, how, do they, how do they put that? Um, salvation is free, but how, how does that thing, how does that go? Yeah, salvation is free, but, but, but ministry takes money or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, and uh, then uh, going on down to the next paragraph, uh, which is 565.1, uh, she said that somebody said that spirituality is a detriment to health. Dr. E, she said, and so he was teaching that to other people. But she said, this is just from Satan. She said that was that that was from Satan and that um, he found his way into Eden and made Eve believe that she needed something more for her happiness. And so Satan convinced her that the forbidden fruit would have this special, exhilarating, eye-opening effect on her. And she wouldn't just know good, but she would know good and evil. Why in the world would you want to know evil when you, you, you walked and talked with God? Why would you even want to know evil? But, you know, Satan convinced a third of the angels. So, and they knew what heaven was like. And so he, he convinced Eve, well, yeah, you want to know evil. Because then you'll be like God. And um, so uh, she wanted to basically uh, be equal with God in knowledge. And she thought that this would be a... Uh, an improvement for her, but it wasn't. It was a curse, and not just for her, but for everyone that came after her. Um. Okay, let's see. Let's go on down. Uh, I had a comment too. Sure. Where she was pointing out that the standards shouldn't be lowered to just uh -huh. allow anybody in, but. Many times you'll see uh, a health institution will start up and they'll have, you know, sticking to these principles. Then they realize, okay, everybody don't like these principles. So in order for us to get more people in here, we're going to have to start lowering the standards. So where at first they say there's no alcohol allowed, you know, this is a health institution. Yeah. Then they're mm -hmm. not getting enough people, they feel. So they say, Okay, uh, you can have three drinks a week, you know, <laughs> you join, or they might say no smoking on the campus, yeah. and then it's, they don't have enough people. They say, okay, we're going to designate a smoking area. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole point is to get more people in, more folks that don't truly believe in good health being a part of your uh, connection with God. Mm -hmm. Not supposed mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. And the unfortunate thing is that if we would just place the matter before God and pray over it, God would do what he does, which is the blessing without compromise, you know? But we, we uh, you know, she says repeatedly, we do so little praying and uh, we should do more praying. 
we, uh, Andre and I were listening to a, um, uh, a media seminar and Pastor Deblier Snell was talking about the fact that we do so little praying in our ministries, whatever our individual ministries are, and that the enemy, we could prepare all we want to, but then the enemy just attacks oftentimes out of left field so that even though we've prepared, you know, he comes in and just, and, and just wrecks havoc at times. And that's because we're doing so little praying. And so in all of our ministries, we have to not only prepare, but pray, add prayer to it, continual prayer for the Lord's blessings, for the Lord's protections, for the Lord to restrict the, and, 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 and I guess, um, remove the, the weapons of Satan that he has leveled against it, against us, you know, because Satan knows that his time is short. And so he's trying to, you know, ruin as many lives as he can. You know, I was really sorry to hear about Christina's uh, nephew. And that was just uh, um, an unnecessary thing. But again, the enemy is busy. He's working to, to, to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh, let's see. Let's move on down. Uh, and she starts talking about... Um, there are two different types of people in, in paragraph uh, 568.2. Can anybody tell me the two different types of people she's talking about in that paragraph? Hold on, I'm getting there. The 568.2? Mm -hmm. Yes. She's talking about two different extremes. Uh, there are two persons with a diseased imagination. That one, to whom religion is a tyrant. That one. That's one of the extremes. Who yeah. them with an iron, wide of iron. And then, yeah. what other one? So basically those people think that, oh my goodness, you know, I got to do everything. I got to, you know, religion is, a, is, is like this, this choke has this chokehold on me and I got to make sure that I don't deviate in any way from, uh, from, you know, this, this, this rod of iron. And she says, these people are constantly mourning over their depravity and groaning over supposed evil. Love does not exist in their hearts and a frown is ever on their countenances. And so they don't respond to people the way Jesus would have us respond to people. You know, laughter makes them cringe and then they just don't like it. And, and, and they just feel like all recreation or amusement is a sin. So mm -hmm. you have these people on that extreme and then what's the other extreme? Oh, excuse me. Let's see that uh, others think that the mind must be ever on the stretch to invent new amusements and diversions in order to gain health. They don't mm -hmm. depend on excitement. They're uneasy without it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember um, watching a program about Martin Luther and uh, 
you know, he posted the 95 tenets of the Bible onto the church doors back in his, his day. And he said that, or it said that they as priests had to crawl up and down these stairs. Like it was like, I don't know. I want to say 99 stairs. I could be wrong, but they had to crawl up and down these stairs every day on their knees uh, uh, to, um, as, as, as uh, what, uh, tokens of repentance for their sins. You know, and so basically their work by their works, they were forgiven, you know, and by this, this, this penitential and, 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 and it was exhausting and it was painful. And I can imagine that some of the older ones, it was really hard for them to do it, you know, because once you get arthritis and knee problems and all that setting in, it becomes hard to do that kind of stuff, especially on your knees. But they had to go up and down these stairs. And I don't remember if it was once a day or once a week, but either way, you know, that was pretty group, pretty difficult, I would think, and unnecessary. Um, but then you have, it says the others, these others that think that, oh, they got to, you know, be amused uh, all the time. And that's what will bring them good health. And she said they learn to depend on excitement and they are uneasy without it. But they are, these are not true Christians. And so she says, true principles of Christianity can open before all a source of happiness the height and depth, the strength and breadth of which are immeasurable. It is Christ in us, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It is a continual wellspring from which the Christian can drink at will and never exhaust the fountain. So, you know, Jesus didn't require either one of these extremes and he did not condone either one of these extremes, you know, um, uh, I can remember also, like uh, some people used to think that, okay, if I uh, deny myself a certain diet, uh, or if I just eat sparsely, that that's what the Lord requires. And, you know, unless you're fasting and you're fasting off of food, that's not what the Lord requires. The Lord requires that you eat food that is healthful mm -hmm. to the body, but not that you starve yourself or anything like that. Um, any comments on that? Yeah, it's kind of hard sometimes to uh, <clears throat> figure it out, you know, like why you do what you do. And we can get it mixed up because sometimes you hear the way um, church leaders speak, you know, about going to heaven and hell and all that stuff. But it's so simple to just love the God, God and then it, the Bible says all these things will be added to you. So when our motives, you can't do it anyway. When our motives are not right, you know, um, you know, it's just become like you just become like disappointed and frustrated and aggravated. And then you see other people looking all happy and they Christians and they doing everything, and you feel like you know why I got to be burdened like this, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can I think too that sometimes. Go ahead, Patsy. I think, too, sometimes people have their own precepts on things because, to give you an example, you, I, I had a brother who, when I mentioned Branson, because I had went down to see Samson, and the first thing he did was pull out that Bible, and he gave me the blues. And he was, and you know, with different passages about entertainment and all, what, what he considered... To, to be very 
distasteful for me to say I went to a place like Branson, and he gave me, like I said, so many scriptures I couldn't even, I couldn't write them all down fast enough. But mm. I said, and I told him, I said, my motive was not to go to, to, to go down there and whatever, drink and party. I went to see a religious play that I may never have had the opportunity to see as it, as it acted out on stage. But I mean, it's just sometimes, like, like I said, it's, it's somebody else's perception. And then they give you all these Bible verses and you're like, all I wanted to do was see Samson. <laughs> well, you only need one Bible verse. And that's that um, God sent Jonah to Nineveh and they were a well-known, you know, red light, you know, district doing all the things they wanted to do. But he still sent Jonah there. Jonah didn't want to go, but he went. It's also like we always say, you have to know the Lord for yourself. He's telling you it's okay. He's telling somebody else that would be too much temptation for him or whatever. But I was going to comment about that. Back in the day, you know, the preachers was all fire and brimstone. That God is watching you. And if you make a mistake, you're going straight to hell and you better not be caught smiling. And, you know, sometime even in church, you, some of the parents would smack the little kids because they was tapping their foot to the beat. You know, and it's like music has a beat. That's just the truth. You can't even play church music without a beat. So there's nothing evil about a beat. And it's just something that's born in us, you know. But it's like you got to be perfect, which nobody on the planet has ever been perfect except Christ, you know. So there's no way you can reach that standard. But then there's also other people who are the opposite. And it's kind of like, uh, that song Eddie Murphy sang, I just want to party all the time. You know, there's <laughs> some people, that's what they want to do at church, just come and have a big party, not care really about the word or actually having the character of Christ, just come and have a great time and laugh and go back home. It's all about a balance and doing what God's Holy Spirit leads you to do. And when you think about how they was always on Christ, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be hanging with them. Those are all man-made rules. What Jesus focused on was love for God and love for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, oftentimes we become as the Pharisees and we just focus on the do's and the don'ts, you know, and we as Adventists do that a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, think, I think our Christians are at risk of doing that. And we see... We see that in today's uh, playing out right up in the politics of people, you know, wanting to control other people, whether they are homosexual or not, or whether they um, are getting an abortion or not. So I just think Christianity, Christians are at risk of that becoming, once you think you've made it, now it's time for me to make sure everybody else make it like I did. And also, a lot of people become more like Martha than Mary. You know, running around doing this and that, this and that, instead of yeah. being like, yeah, instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's what the Lord said to Martin Luther: "The just shall live by faith, not by works. You can't work your way to heaven." Mm-hmm. And that reminded me too. There was a one of these documentaries about a religious group, and they was the the pastor was making people. Um, he would like sprinkle cornmeal on the floor and then they would have to kneel on it with their knees. 
you know, for prayer and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, you know, you'd be amazed at mm -hmm. what people do. And then, mm -hmm. like we read, uh, we heard um, a few weeks ago where this one pastor, y'all may have heard him too. One pastor, I think he's in the Kansas City, Missouri area, somewhere like that. He got angry with his church members because they didn't buy him a certain type of watch for his anniversary or for whatever day it was that he's supposed to get a gift. And so he just really talked down to the people and talked about them so badly about how cheap they were and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, you know. Hmm. Then he apologized once he found that it was out on YouTube and people was, you know, looking at it and stuff. Hmm. Mm. It's a, I mean, it's a lot of, that's just to me in general, it just comes with the territory of being a Christian that, you know, people want to everybody to be Christians like they are Christians and do it the way they do it, and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, um, there's a lot of disapproval, but not enough love. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on down to the next paragraph, 566.1. Now she says that the things that bring sickness of body and mind to nearly all is what? Uh, dissatisfied feelings and discontented repinings. Mm. And so that was kind of surprising to me because a lot of times it is just, it's physical, but you know, based on this, she's saying that a lot of times we are the cause of our own sickness. That's what yeah. they're saying. To me, right? You know, yes, um, and then my character and personality, I would have to look it up, is nine out of 10 illnesses occur in the mind first. Hmm. Yes, I'm a firm believer in it. So that's why this is my, my own personal, I haven't done any research on it. That's why when we have illnesses like cancer and you know, that's the main one that I can think of. And they go in, they take out all the cancer, you do your radiation and all this other stuff. And then they have cancer again in six months or a year. You mm -hmm. haven't changed the way people are thinking. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes our thoughts can truly be like a cancer. You know, mm -hmm. all this negativity, complaining, all of it, you know, keeps dumping you know, these messy chemicals in your body. And the more chemicals you get, the more, like, I like to look at like soil. Some plants can go grow in, um, what do you call it? Like sandy soil. Some can grow in clay. Some can grow, you know, have to have nice fertilized soil. So different plants grow in different types of soil. Different illnesses grow in different types of bodies because we, you know, we are dumping stuff in it. It's not just about food. It's not even about environment. It's really about what we're thinking. And mm. that was what I was saying about mental health is very important. You know, that's what she's talking about here is mental health. If we allow our mental health to go astray and to start, you know, getting stuck with all these anxieties and discontented, discontented dissatisfied feelings, it's going to harm our body. It's constantly dumping poison, uh, adrenaline into our system when we're thinking about that. And I saw down here at the bottom of 566.1, because we see many who are having a time of trouble beforehand. Anxiety is stamped upon every feature. They're continually looking for some dreadful evil. And I, in one of her other books, she said, we're not called to bring the time of trouble upon us before it's time. 
you know, with all this worrying and anxiety and stress and driving for this and driving for that. And so many people do that. And like Lakita's saying, in their minds, it might not even be real physically, but it's in your mind, which makes your body think it's real. And yes, because the subconscious Mm -hmm. does not know what's real and what's not. So like if you have a dream, and you're dreaming like you run in and, and someone's chasing you, your heart will pound. Mm-hmm. You know, you might, you'll, you'll be breathless. You break mm-hmm. out and sweaty because your mind doesn't know that this is not real. You know, subconscious right. is responding to help you, you know, escape this, your trouble. One right. time, one time I was telling the Lord, I was like, I shouldn't have been a therapist. I should have been something else. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not getting something better than this, right? And then the Holy Spirit said to me, so are you saying that I led you in the wrong direction? Mm-hmm. When we're complaining, we're saying God is not doing it right. Uh-huh. We know better than he does. Right. So right. we have to be careful with that complaining because, you know, it just, it really doesn't help us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is it's big. Really I think this is really, really huge. And I think everybody really should pay close attention to this because, you know, we, we're going to be for real lost by not really by what we do, but by what we're thinking. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. And the man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right. Uh, it's interesting that you bring that up the connection between our thoughts and our, our uh, health. And, uh, even more, more than that, you know, you talked about dreams and what we dream and then we wake up sweating. And I've had that happen to me <laughs> where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm dreaming something in my dream and I wake up queasy and just feeling sick all day. But beyond that, even what we watch and listen to has that yeah. same effect because our subconscious mind, like when we watch violence on TV, our subconscious mm-hmm. mind doesn't know that it's not happening to us. It's mm-hmm. just a recorder. And it yeah. just records what it sees and what it hears. And so that that says to me that we need to 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 um, guard the things that we watch and the things that we listen to, because, again, our subconscious mind is just recording it. And we already have enough problems in this world between work and different things we have to do without fictional things on TV adding to that. Yeah. And you know, okay. Karen, you we look at our children, some of our children that have committed suicide. Some of those those kids believe that those cartoon characters, you know, jumping off buildings and flying through air, they haven't understood that that was non, you know, frictional. It wasn't mm-hmm. true that you can jump off a building and fly. And you mm-hmm. have those children that have, you know, jumped off different buildings and committed suicide based on a, a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think too. One of the big, uh, big thing that was going on so many years ago was emo children. Emo, they call them emo kids, as in emotional kids. Mm-hmm. And they had music, and the music they was like talking about the um, parade of the dead, and it was like it was going to be a party once you die. And mm-hmm. kids was getting caught up in that, and yes, committing suicide because they thought they were going to be going to a party once mm-hmm. it was Mm. and if you think about it that's what the advertisers know how to work your subconscious 
You know, they'll show somebody eating a big juicy burger or something. Next thing you know, you want a juicy burger. Mm -hmm. They show, have you uh, <clears throat> hear somebody crunching on potato chips. Now you want some chips because <laughs> your mind is totally connected to your body. And we right. have to be very careful not to get right. wrapped up into that. Right. I think about uh, somebody yawning around you. Yeah. How sure. <laughs> does that make you yawn? <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and here's a real funny thing. Talking about how your subconscious doesn't know what's true and what isn't or what's real because it still responds as if it is. So like if your spouse dreams a dream that you've been cheating or something, then they wake up mad at you. Mm -hmm. But that mm. was their dream. You wasn't even in it, but still they had those feelings when they wake up mad at you. Mm -hmm. like so. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so she's talking about these people that are discontented and she said they don't have God. They don't have hope. And so she said, but all who do possess this hope will purify themselves even as he is pure. And such are free from restless longings, repinings, and discontent. And they are not continu continually looking for evil and brooding over borrowed trouble. In other words, they're not continually looking for the other shoe to drop, mm -hmm. you know, and always concerned about, you know, the other shoe dropping. Uh, so um, we need to have a firm hold on the Lord. And, you know, we live in this sinful world. We live in this world where people get sick and they die and, and bad things happen to good people, you know? And so unless we have a firm hold on the Lord, um, we may be one of those that goes down into depression and, you know, discontentness and all of that. Um, but if we look to Jesus and we remember his goodness to us, that no matter what, and his promise to us that he'll be through us, with us until the end, then we have a reason for hope. And we have a reason to believe that maybe things won't last for this, whatever, whatever season of life we're in won't last forever. Or like the Hebrew boys, you know, our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, you know, we will still obey him. And so uh, I think that Sometimes we have to fix our eyes on the future and not on what's happening in the present in our lives that maybe, you know, we might uh, have suffered a loss of some kind or um, whatever the case may be, or sickness of some kind, whatever the case may be. You know, another thing, too, is when <clears throat> people tend to always wait for the other shoe to drop, like you're saying, so what ends up happening is you miss the blessings and the enjoyment of the current moment. Mm -hmm. you know, while you've been blessed with something, you should be happy and praising the Lord and telling, you know, uh, people how good God is. But instead we like, Oh, well, I wonder what's going to happen now. I got this promotion. Now they're going to want me to work overtime. Now they're going to want me to go out of town and travel. Now they're going to give me two people's job instead of praising God for the promotion that you've been praying and begging for mm -hmm. you waiting on the other shoe to drop so you're missing the blessing god gave you whereas if you mm -hmm. enjoy it you know it's like um in in the uh in the service they used to tell us smoke them while you got them cigarettes you know because you ain't always gonna have the opportunity so when you have a blessing praise god for it don't look for something else 
thank him for what you just received. And Lee, oftentimes the shoot never drops. Right. We're always worried about something that never happens. And then again, all that worrying you did for something that never actually happened yep. still affected you just as if it did. Mm -hmm. Well, Lee, I'm going to follow your example. Smoke them while I got them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, it's really simple, too, to counteract depression. If you lay in that stuff, it will, you know, that can become a major problem for you. But if you get up, when you wake up in the morning, when um, the pandemic started, you know, it got to a place where I was going to bed and waking up, I started saying, ah, oh, the same old thing. Ah, oh, you know, you're still here. Ah, and I started thinking, wait a minute now. So <laughs> I started changing it up when I start, I made, made it my business. When I wake up in the morning and say, thank you, God. And I just start thinking about stuff to be grateful for. It's that simple. It's a decision. People, you know, if you listen to these people I hear about, you know, mental health, and I know I'll probably get in a lot of trouble because people don't want to believe this, but if you listen to them, it's like you're going to be depressed or anxious your whole life, but that's not true. You know, that's not true at all. You know, you can definitely change, change that up with a simple decision that you're going to work yourself out of this and stop spending all day long thinking about how people don't like me and, you know, how people, and as long as you're thinking about what's not going right, you are not thinking about what to do to get things to go right. So if I'm thinking about people don't like me, I'm not spending time thinking about, okay, how can I, what am I doing that's causing people to respond that way first? And then secondly, how do, what do I need to do to make it different? You can't figure that out by yourself. You can with the help of God. You know, if you pray and ask God to show me what I'm doing and then don't deny, I'm not that bad. Somebody tell you, you know, did you ever know you negative? I'm not negative. I'm not, I don't ever talk about nobody. I'm just tired of this. You negative. Right. You know, so, and then that keeps people away because people are burdened down with their own stuff and they just don't have room for any more. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I think a lot somebody. of times when I think about the sin issue, and I've always said this with me and Karen, instead of stopping or concentrating on stopping the sin in your life, Concentrate on doing some things that God would have you do. And you will find at the end of the day, those things that you were having trouble with, you mm -hmm. think about them. That even wasn't even part of your day. Fill your day with the path that God has put you on and not worry about so much other stuff. Well, I got to do it. I can't. And I got I got to stop here. Just start doing what God wants you to do. And that other stuff will fall off. Now, I'm not going to be. I'm not saying that the devil's not going to tempt and things aren't going to come. If you just concentrate on the stuff that God wants you to do, many mm -hmm. times you won't have mm -hmm. to worry about that other stuff. Yeah, I say I say it like this here, Andre. If you take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. Yep. I love you it. Get, you get busy looking for a way to help to help somebody else to be, you know, like uh, productive and 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 you'll find that the problems that you thought you had, they just some kind of way don't seem that important. Exactly. There's some people out there with real problems, you know, it's just some real stuff going on. And we are shielded. <laughs> we have been shielded from those things so far. And we can be so grateful to God and willing to help someone else who, are, who may not be as shielded as we have been. And when you think about the Apostle Paul, all that he went through, 
being beat, thrown in jail, all kind of stuff he went through. He still called it light affliction because he recognized that there are people going through a whole lot worse than him who don't know the Lord either. So Mm -hmm. these are just light afflictions going on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm really, I I really uh, uh, appreciate her writing this about mental health. I know it doesn't come under that, but you know, that's very, very important for us because all of the issues of the heart, speakers of lips, everything comes from that brain and from that mind. And we have to do everything we can to bring it to a healthy place. If if the mind is healthy, the body will follow it. And based on what, you know, we've been talking about, I think too that if we're, in, if we are in a stage of healing, a season of healing, Mm-hmm. that if we if we honor God with our minds we will heal much faster complete I completely agree with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I completely agree with it. and so many times we just you know uh, are so busy I think trying to um, just focus in on the wrong stuff we go our whole lives can be wasted with us walking around in circles in the, in the top of our heads mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, when you think about it, think about fear, you know, fear about all kinds of stuff that keeps us from performing and doing and just, you know, I would say to any young person, it's almost better to be reckless than to be fearful. Because hmm. you're going to try some things when you're reckless, when you get out there and you're fearless, you'll do some stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm not talking about drugs and all this good stuff. You know, you'll do that too. But if you have no fear then you can actually fulfill what God tells you to do. Yeah, I, I think so. It's like if God told you to leave your job, leave your mm-hmm. home, go overseas mm-hmm. and be a missionary to some in some place you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. How many of us even, would do that? You or know? even like, you know, you. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You know, like um, today he talked about Samson's. I'm going to miss all of that that he said was Samson had a fear that the light would lead him, leave him. And that's why he told her. Mm-hmm. Some, some might say he was disloyal to God. Yes, it was a disloyal act. But why did he make do that disloyal act? Fear. Fear that she would leave me. Fear masks itself around, parades itself around like it's love. You love a person so much and blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, it's because you're afraid that I'm going to be alone or I'm not going to have this person or whatever. You know, people are going to laugh at me if I'm by myself, whatever it is. But that was ultimately what was to me underneath all that nonsense that mm-hmm. he went through. Yeah, and I think a lot of times a lot of us operate out of fear of the unknown. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and we, we lead our lives um, by fear of the unknown. You know, yeah, yeah, and keep and you know why when we can be joyful about the unknown, right? It can mean who knows what can happen tomorrow. You know, I'm right. I'm, I'm just right. like who knows someone could drop their their ticket, whatever you one of those uh, lottery tickets. I pick it up, just throw it in my pocket, glance at it, and just throw it in the bag just because you're just picking it up. I'll throw it away later on. Find out this is a. Six hundred million dollar lottery ticket out of the found, mm. and I'm, I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, never drop you because we're always 
not just you all, I'm talking to me too, thinking and contemplating on what bad thing that has never happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just spend my life being afraid of that. I don't mm-hmm. About how you turned around your feelings. You was feeling some kind of way. Oh, you mean like when I was going traveling or? No, you said you had some sad kind of feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So every year, for a while, this was going on for some years. Every year around the same time, I would get this feeling. It was so sad. It was the saddest feeling I've ever heard. But there was no memory. There was nothing, no experience that I can tack it on to. And I was just going through this every year, this super, super sad feeling. And then one day I was going through this sad feeling. The Holy Spirit said, how do you know that that's a sad feeling? I said, huh? He said, how do you know that's not extreme happiness that you've never experienced? I said, oh, he said, I mean, there's nothing that happened to you. You yourself say that, right? I'm like, yes. So why is it sad? It could be happy. This could actually be genuine joy that you've been experiencing all these years and you've been calling it sadness. Hmm. You don't know what genuine joy is. You've never never acknowledged genuine joy. I was like, yes, yes, I could have been enjoying this. (laughs) I could have. been having joyful times, I've never had the feeling again. Yeah. Everybody, every one of us needs to remember, look at things from a different point of view sometimes. And what we think is bad could really be good. You know, yes. like, the, like the pastor said today, all things work together for those who love the Lord. So whether it started out bad doesn't mean it's going to end bad. Yeah. And yes. you can enjoy and look, we need to learn to enjoy life while we have it. Mm-hmm. And don't bring the time of trouble up before it's supposed to be. Yeah, I remember. And I, I think I had that experience this week that, you know, I, uh, uh, last, uh, last week when they did the procedure on my back, and now they say, you know, we'll look, we'll see you again on the 22nd. Well, you know, I kept looking at my yard and I said, you know, there's so much. You know, because I need the sunlight anyway. And I said, well, it's cool. I said, there's no sunlight. I said, and I just prayed about it. I said, you know, Holy Spirit in Jesus, I need to, you know, be able to move, even though I have been exercising, walking down my stairs and stuff, taking it slow like they told me. So I just stepped out on faith, and I went out there with that lawnmower, and I took my time, and I prayed. And not to say I didn't feel, you know, the pain, you know, but I said it was just, I said, the breeze was blowing, and when I got the yard done, I looked, and I said, praise the Lord. I didn't have to call Brother Andre, and I just said, I said, the Lord, need, I needed to hear that from the Lord, that I needed that little fresh air to get out there and make an attempt to try, because like I said, you know, they they, they, they saying take it easy till the 22nd, but I didn't do anything hard that the Holy Spirit and God wasn't with me. I took my time. I sat down. And I just thanked them. I said, just thank you, Lord, and the Holy Spirit. I got it done. And I and it made me feel good getting that exercise in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, so that's really, that's really, really, really important. I mean, in every circumstance of our life, there is bad, but there is good, too. You know, and, I, and all of these things, you know, I like to think if you got something, you know, uh, let's see your job fires you, then that's, a, that's to me saying the Lord wants something better for you. So go look for something better. Don't go out there and look for nothing worse. 
you're going to get worse. And then you're going to be like, God doesn't love me. He got me this worst job ever. <laughs> Go find something better. Look for something better. You know, prepare yourself for something better. I'm just a firm believer. We have to. Otherwise, we will continue on down the a road that we're miserable on you know if, you, mm -hmm. if you're unhappy in your marriage you i do something different you got to go you know maybe change it up a little bit change up the way you dress go out and have some dates or you know start complimenting the other person a whole lot more you know doing extra stuff for that person more just and stop focusing on how i feel you know i'm not happy that's not their job to make you happy you know who, who said that is it's somebody else's job to make you happy that could be like an empty pit if you don't you have to make yourself happy you have to put the right stuff into your life so that you can be a happy person or a person full of joy right yeah. you have to make yourself happy by doing righteously though not by saying oh well that person is don't, don't understand me let me go seek somebody that does right right <laughs> right and even if they don't understand you so what? I mean, I'm just, you know, I know that we all want to be understood, et cetera, et cetera. Then we go to God, Lord, you know, I feel like he doesn't understand me. Show me that he does, you know, help me. What can I do? What can I do to help him understand me better? Or how can I understand him better? Really, the problem may be you don't understand him or her. You know, that may be. So it's all really about prayer, a lot of prayer and being open to hearing God's voice. And then making the changes that he tells you to make. And he never, I don't think, I don't think God has ever told me to make a change I couldn't make. I don't think he's ever done that to me. And then we have to, again, be willing to look at things from a different point of view, from the other person's point of view. Or before we take an action, think, how is this going to impact the other people who are stakeholders and involved in this decision? And that, like Lakita saying, don't just think about what I want. How is this going to benefit the group? How's this mm -hmm. going to be a blessing to more people than just myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. So anyway, mm -hmm. those are my thoughts on this. I just think it's really, it's just phenomenal. And when we get sick, we only think about, we're going to change the way we eat. No, you got to do all the new stuff. Nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, 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 and trust God. And that rest is so big, you know, because that means stop thinking about your problems. Rest from poor relationships, rest from, you know, trying to strive to make more money, get you some rest. A long time ago, years ago, when people who had money got sick, the doctors would send them like to the, uh, to the Bahamas and stuff, and they would come back refreshed. You know, I was figuring out how, how does that work? What, what happens over there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, tells you, rest. Nobody yeah. tells you to rest. Why? Because they want to they want to push that medicine. So there are some things you can do and for yourself. That's it takes care of you. But anyway, I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> okay. Um, let's get ready to kind of finish up a little bit here. So um, I want to. I do want to read this scripture in paragraph five sixty six point two, and um, she's talking about those who dishonor God by this this always looking for the other shoe to drop. And she says that um, that vain amusements will never correct their minds. They need the transforming influence of the Holy Spirit of God in order to be happy. 
They need to be benefited by the mediation of Christ in order to realize consolation, divine and substantial. And this is the scripture I want to read. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And so... You know, that that just makes me think about how many times uh, there's a lot of people that blame other people for their problems when they're really their own worst enemy, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of times they're discontent and stuff. It has nothing to do with another person. It has to do with their whole outlook on life and, 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 and where their mind is all the time. Like you were saying, just always negative and complaining. And so... It's not ever anybody's fault when we're miserable. It's never someone else's fault. It isn't. It's always what we bring to the table. You know, if you come and, you know, I remember being in a marriage kind of seminar at church and this lady was like, my husband, he just buys me tires for the car. He never buys me this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know how much tires cost, right? You know, Mm -hmm. and stuff. And what if he Some of us would wish that, huh? <laughs> right, you know, it's, it's, it's right. So what if you thought he loves me so much? You know, he could be out here trying to shorten your life by putting stuff in your food or whatever, but he's trying to <laughs> make your life live, make you live longer by providing you with stuff that keeps you safe. It's how, what you bring to the table. And you know, what's interesting about that is that people have different love languages. And yeah. so I think a lot of times, people don't understand what their partner's love language is. And so they go by what they want to provide instead of by what that person would look at as an expression of love. You know? And sometimes too, even with that, it's not enough money to be ministering to your love language. You got to take what we can get. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. If, 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 things, if things are your love language. Yeah. If, if that's the case. But I mean, like what I'm saying in that case, maybe he wants to buy you those flowers that cost $60 back in the day, you know, because they cost more now. Maybe he wanted to get you that, but you got four tires that are bald. I, I prefer, I would love to do this for her, but I got to do this instead because we just don't have enough money. One of the things too, this was years ago uh, at a marriage seminar and the guy said, <clears throat> talking about how people perceive love, he said, it's not love until the other person says it is. So you trying to give out all this love. Now we kind of understand it more with that talk about love languages. That person doesn't think it's love. You're doing all these things, but that's not their language. So it's not really love to them, but it's love to you. And again, we have to recognize each other's differences and pay attention and say, oh, my spouse's love language is, is in compliments. And she's been complimenting me. That's her showing me love. My language might be in buying things. I'm buying things. And, and she has to recognize, oh, his language is buying things or touch or whatever. He's showing me love. So we also have to recognize each other's differences. Right. So mm-hmm. because what we do is we take those love languages and we say, they have to minister to my love language and speak to me the way, you know, that's great. That would be awesome. But like Lee's saying, let's meet the people halfway. You understand that he takes me, he take care of me. I think you can absolutely learn to feel love in that way. 
you know, if somebody, <laughs> if he says nice things, that's a good thing. But, you know, because I understand that he, um, from his childhood, nobody took care of him. Nobody ever put anything into him. You know, he was put in dangerous situations with nobody caring. And now he's super zealous about making sure that I'm in a safe environment and safety. Cameras in the house, and you know, double bolted doors, and you know, all this stuff because of his idea of what it would, how it would make her feel to be, you know, he doesn't understand that if you say she's pretty, she feels love. That that does just doesn't register. He might say it, but that doesn't minister to his desire to really make her feel safe. He can do that, but he also may be doing the other thing too. And it's really a lot like learning a foreign language, truthfully. If I go to Italy and people are talking, I don't have a clue what they're telling me or trying to, <laughs> trying to communicate to me. But once I learn Italian, now I understand where they're coming from. Now I understand what they're doing and what they're meaning uh, to mm -hmm. communicate to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think in terms of, I, I kind of looked at Queen Elizabeth and I said, I, when they were showing the different you know, places that she had been, and I kind of looked and noticed that her pride and joy was the simplest thing. Just touching her animals, being at a place, I guess in Scotland, where she loved so much. And yet, you know, many people would have thought it was, would have been her crown and all the, you know, positions that, you know, and all the things she did. But it was the simple things that she loved. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, let's finish out uh, in this last paragraph. Um, I'm sort of midway down the last paragraph and, uh, uh, she's now talking about the physicians and helpers at these health institutions. And she said that they should be of the highest order. She said they should have an experimental knowledge of the truth. That they should command respect and people be people whose word can be relied on. They should be persons who have, don't have a diseased imagination, persons who have perfect self-control, who are not fitful or changeable, moody, basically are free from jealousy and evil surmising and persons who have a power of will that will not yield to slight indispositions who are unprejudiced and who will think no evil who think and move calmly considerately having the glory of god and the good of others ever before them and she says never should one be exalted to a responsible position merely because they desire it those only should be chosen who are qualified for the position so what kind of job interview would that be that you have to, <laughs> you have to hire someone with all those qualities? <laughs> that's, that's a lot. You would have to have, I don't know, maybe an employment test instead of asking questions, some kind of employment test that once it's graded, you could see those qualities in somebody. And then too, know. it's like most every other employment test. They might not have it now, but they had a potential and a desire to get there. And I think that counts for a lot. Mm. Okay. Okay, maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I thought this was interesting. This was at the top of the paragraph. Um, she says, there is but little praying. In fact, prayer is almost obsolete. And we think people aren't praying now, so I can hardly imagine that back that far back that the people weren't praying almost obsolete. It's like 
the more things change, the more they remain the same. Sad yeah. Yeah. And that that's really amazing how little God's people pray, you know, because um, Bible says pray without ceasing. And I think a lot of the difficulties that we end up having throughout our life or some of the seasons that we have, if we had just been praying, you know, maybe the Lord would have held them off or, or canceled them all together, you know, but um, we just never know what, and we know that we do know that more prayer is more power. Yeah. And so um, just from that standpoint, if we did more prayer, we would have more power, uh, greater under, you know, the Holy Spirit would open up our understanding about stuff. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit would be there to help us with things. Um, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just tell us deep and secret things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will just help us figure out a problem that we weren't even, it wasn't really even on our mind, mm-hmm. you know, and then the Holy Spirit will put a thought in your head and you're like, oh, you had never thought about, about that being the way to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just think that, that prayer is so important. Of course, reading of the word, study of the word is also important because that mm-hmm. transforms us also. But mm-hmm. uh, those two things in conjunction you know, Christ would go off and pray all night sometimes, you know, and uh, yeah. I dare say <laughs> that any of us do that. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, any other comments before we close out this chapter? This was a good chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're all good. Um, Lee, where are we next week? What are we studying next week? Again, we're in the book Christian Service by Ellen White. And we're on the chapter titled Timothy, a mere youth when chosen. So we'll start at Timothy, a mere youth when chosen. And we'll probably, they're really short, some of them just a paragraph. So we'll probably get through several, sub, uh, several paragraphs. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to write that down, so I'll be sure I have it. And Karen, will you let us know after we get off what we should be studying for you when we see you next? Yes, I can tell you now. It'll be chapter 101 in Testimonies for the Church, volume one. All right, um, Lakita, can I get you to close us out with prayer? Yes. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we humbly come before your throne of grace, dear Lord. Father, we have learned some um, things that we need to do or cha- make changes in our lives. We ask that you will help us to guard the avenue of our soul through our minds. We ask that you will help us to guard the avenue of our souls through our food and diet and through the things and through our behavior, Lord. We ask that you would change us and give us a greater desire, greater zeal to follow you, to do all that you ask us to do, Lord. Help us not to turn our way, our face from doing any good thing that will uh, be helpful to us in becoming more like you. Lord, we look forward to that great day of thy soon second coming. We ask that you forgive us for our many sins, evil ways, and wicked thoughts, Lord, and help us to improve our, our spiritual lives through much more prayer so that we can have much more power and much more stronger insight and understanding of you and your um, desire and will for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and praise you always. Amen. 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 Amen.
for that. And um, we will see you all next week. Same time.